You know what I feel like? I feel all the time like a cat on a hot tin roof. It's Manson Mitchell on the weekend with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to power up your day. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Welcome to Manson Mitchell. My name is Gary. Uh, my name is Gary Manson. How about that? My name is Suzanne Mitchell. Gary Manson is not going to be joining us today. He's a little under the weather and he'll be back with us next week. So I'm flying solo today and... Luckily, I have with me the number one guy in the studio, Nathan Miller. So happy you're with me today. Good morning, Suzanne. And I appreciate us giving all the credit to Gary as much as it deserved because he does a lot for the show. And I know it's really uh, hard on him to not be able to do the show, but we're wishing him the best as uh, we move forward. Yep. I was going to say I'm Gary Mance because that's what he always says <laughs> yeah. when he opens I was the waiting show. For I've you got to that say. memorized. I was waiting for you to say, thank you, Eric Crema. <laughs> so, Nathan, did you see any part of what was happening with the eclipse this morning? Uh, better question would be, did I not see it? Because that's what it's all about. Everything becoming dark and ah. eerie in the morning. And here in the Seattle area, it kind of, to me, looked out. Uh, like it was sort of when you had tinted windows in your car and you're looking oh, outside yeah. about that shade of darkness. Really? And, really? and on my way here, I was looking outside and I was like, huh, looks a little bit darker out there. I know we're getting into the fall season, so maybe it just happens to be this is a time when it's getting darker in the mornings. Right. So that's what I was thinking was going on. And suddenly one of my friends texts me and he says getting ready for the eclipse and he showed me his camera equipment to take some photography of the eclipse as it happened from his house right and it's like that explains why it's so dark outside yeah it's not a single line it's a uh, quite a few miles wide where you get the effect of it mm -hmm. and the weather channel had one of their people at klamath falls oregon today we were watching it this morning but i know it's not just klamath falls it's for hundreds of miles yeah you know on on either side so i figured you would get some of that i don't know if we're going to get any of that here as it exits out texas because we're living in florida and I don't think it's going to come quite this far. So mm -hmm. we'll uh, we'll have to see in a little bit. We weren't but, quite totality, but uh, it no. was maximum, I think, was about 89%, I think, is what my friend was saying. So we were close, but not yeah. quite there. Good. Nathan, do you have any animals at home? I do. I have you one do. dog. One dog. Okay. We're going to talk a little bit about animals today, cats and dogs. So I know you're going to be interested in hearing our guest today. Somebody who's returning, who's been on Manson Mitchell before. Karen A. Dahlman is an author, paranormal researcher, licensed counselor, and spirit communicator. She serves as an officer and director of the Talking Board Historical Society. Born with the gifts of clairvoyance, clairaudience, and clairsentience, Karen communicates with sentient beings in the unseen dimensions and uses these gifts with her clients, providing spiritual readings. Karen holds a master's degree from the University of New Mexico in archetypal art therapy and is experienced in hypnosis, past life regression, channeling, and spiritual readings. She is the talk show host of Creative 
Visions TV and is an international speaker and teacher at paranormal and spiritual conferences. Her work's mission is pushing the boundaries of consciousness, and her message is to assist humanity in awakening to its greatest potential. And we are very happy to welcome back to Manson Mitchell, Karen A. Dahlman. Thanks for being with us today, Karen. Yeah, good morning, Suzanne. It's wonderful to be here with you and your audience. Thank you for having me again. This is just going to be a girl chat today without Gary. Well, we and miss Gary, but I'm do. looking forward to the girl chat. Let's okay. do it. Okay. Well, me too. We're going to talk us some animals because you have a brand new book out, and I'm going to get to it in a little bit about how this came about, but I know you as the Ouija lady. Correct. Yeah. Ouija board lady, and you are um, the officer and director of Talking Board Historical Society. When we have talked to you before, it has been about your work with the Ouija board, and I'm I'm sure that is continuing. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Um, I just got another new board uh, that just, <laughs> I'm still collecting boards, you guys. So I have, I think I'm up to 86 now. This oh last board is a darker board um, that is an 1890. So 1890-91. So it was right after I got the patent. So it was actually 1890, beginning of 1891. That's my earliest board now. Before that, I had an 1892. But the Ouija board started in 1890 and then got patented in 891. So yeah, I have I have old boards now, a lot of boards from all different you know years. Um, but I still use the board. In fact, when we talk about animal communication, I can talk to you about how that all started. And it did start on the board. That was my next question, Karen. You must be psychic. I, well, <laughs> duh. <No. laughs> so how did you get interested in starting with animal communication? Because I have known you for all this time as the Ouija board lady, but now you're expanding to include mm -hmm. animal communication. And so how did that get started? Yeah, so so this is an interesting thing. It wasn't that I, I searched it out and said, I'm going to start communicating with animals. I didn't even think about it really because this was back in like early 1990s. So it was 1996, January 26, when I was sitting at the board with one of my partners and uh, we were talking to Mary Angel, who was very prominent back in those days on the Ouija board. So we put the planchette on the board. It moves around and it's was spelling out messages to us um, about the other dimensions about her, about us, you know, we, we were using the Ouija board to get insight into our lives and also the world at large. So we're doing our normal talk. And all of a sudden she said on the board, you guys know when I say said, she's actually spelling it out and I'm reading it back. What she said was this, you're not going to believe who wants to talk to you. I was like, what do you mean? All kinds of different energies and spirits. I talk to them all the time. Of course, I'm going to believe it. She said, no, this one's different. <laughs> and I said, well, okay, bring it on. So at that point, the planchette changed the motion. It went in a different direction, slowed down. And it spelled out, Hermes, cat, I love you. Now, I had a big, fat orange cat, big tabby, sitting in a rocking chair, not too far from the table. His name was Hermes, and he was alive. I said, what? I said, I went, I went back to my angel. She goes, I told you you weren't going to believe this. She said, you could communicate with animals too that are not, they aren't dead, they're alive. Now, when I say dead, I'm saying dead because that's what we call it. It's really just a transition. But right. she said, you could speak with all levels of consciousness 
And this is an example. I said, well, what do you mean? My cat came to you and goes, meow, meow, and you interpreted it? She goes, well, kind of. What we do is we shift our energy, focus on the animal. She actually was telling me how to do it. And she said, then what we do is we take the images we get, the feelings, sensations we receive, and then I translate it back to you through this tool of the board. I said, wow, because you can, you can talk to other animals too through this tool. So that just opened up a whole new direction. I was mostly talking to deceased people. I was talking to my angel. Um, we had some interesting other, we'll call them otherworldly visitors and the guides that already come in two years earlier. But then the, this, when the animals entered, it was through my cat Hermes. And that just shifted my whole perspective again on the board. And it allowed me to start talking to my other cat in the house. And I've been talking to my cats over the years. One of my cats named Bear, who's still with me right now, he's, he's one of my newer cats, he named himself over the board. So I, I, I'm i still in communication with, with my animals. I have a new kitty. Um, I just got, she's um, just eight, she's eight months old right now. Um, and she uh, talks to me on the board as well. So I, I've taken the Ouija board and, and I see it really as a tool of, of exploring consciousness, exploring consciousness of sentient beings. We're sentient Animals are sentient. You could push the boundaries and go even further if you want to. And we can discuss it. But I know we really want to talk about animals. But you can talk to wild animals, your pets. The thing is this. I find it's a little more difficult to feel because it's such a subtle energy of the animals when you do the communication on the board. It's subtle enough when you do it with your own spirit guides or a transition person. This is even more subtle. I always say start with connecting on the board, maybe with your higher self or a spirit guide, then you can move into the animals because it's, it's a process, but I do teach how people how to do this. I would think that vibration would be so different and, and you're using the word subtle. So the animal communication doesn't come at you like gangbusters screaming all caps. What, how, what is the difference between communicating with an animal and I would assume they could be in any dimension, this, this side or the other side, as opposed to a human, how do you, how does that work with you when you're picking that up? That's a really good question um, because it starts subtly, but once you l- learn to kick into that frequency, like latch into it, it's a frequency, um, like you said, and once okay. you can recognize it, then it's easy. Okay, but it's hard to start there if you're first new at this tool. Um, for me with the animals, I when they come in, I can feel the, the vibration. I know this is probably my cat Panzer who's in who's in the afterlife, or it's Jack, uh, my cat Jack, who wrote the book with me. I know it's him. I can feel their energies. I know when it's my angel, I know it's my spirit guides. But then again, Suzanne, I've been using this board for 50 years. 50 yes. years this year. Yeah. So it's a long time. And it didn't happen in the first 13, even 20 years. It's yeah. after that phase when I started really feeling energies, which allowed me to work off the board with the guides and receive messages that way now too. That's what I've been exploring this last decade. What One of the things that um, when we're talking with people, I, I noticed there's a difference between somebody who's actually studying this for a long time and working with it for a long time as opposed to a flash in the pan, you, you know, they, they had one mediumistic or one psychic experience and they're ready to hang out a shingle. You know, it's different when you are working with teachers, when you're working with your spirit guides, when you're 
doing this for many years. And so I would trust you for having worked on this for so many years that you would have that sensitivity to what that frequency is when you're tuning into it. And that really brings us to the book because Mm -hmm. your 2023 brand new book is called When Cats Had Wings. And you say you co-authored it with a cat. How did that work? Correct. I co-authored with my cat, Jack. And at the time, Jack was very much alive when he started the story. So Jack, just a little back history. And, and I talk about Jack and Panzer and their messages they provided me over the Ouija board in the book, The, the Spirits of Ouija. So it's in, there's a whole section in there on animal communication and how to do it. And some of the delightful um, experiences you can have talking to your pets. Um, he started actually... He was already doing the Ouija board with me, but he started this story by saying, I have a story to tell you. And I was petting him and I heard the words come into my head. I go, what? And I'm petting Jack. That's the first time I actually had like this telepathic transmission from him, which is really channeling. I wasn't setting out again to do it. It was, I was petting him really into him, calming him down. You know, he had such an abusive pet past before I got him. And he said, I want to tell you the story because um when cats had wings. I'm like, what? I said, you do? He goes, yes, I have a story. I want to write a book. And then I got on the Ouija board with with him, with my partner, and he came through and he started telling me this whole story, but he changed it. He had three versions to it. And each version changed over the years. One was about his horrific abuse. Like, "Mm, Jack, that's not such a good children's story. I don't know how we could graphically illustrate that. He's like, I know, I just need to tell you my story. So he told that. And then he told me a story where it it was like he was a character in the story and he was helping kids. And then finally, after he transitioned and moved into spirit, that was in 2019. um, Then he started coming to me with a new story. He said, I want to tell it where it's like helpful to people, to adults, to kids, to, he called them little people, to little people, to big people. I want to share a different story. I said, whenever you're ready. So he said, I need you to write it because I can't write. I said, well, I understand that, but I'm writing messages from you. He goes, well, I need you to type it. I said, I'll type it. Don't worry. And then he said, he goes, you're going to know when it's right. So he kept giving me glimpses of it because I knew it was when cats had wings. It was from a long time ago and they helped humanity. And he just told me pieces. He says, now I need you to put it together. So this is how it went. I was talking to him on the board one evening, went to bed. I woke up in the morning hearing this repeating stanza, poetic stanza in my mind. And this is after I spoke to him the night before. I wasn't even asking for it once again. This is how things work, you guys. It just happens. And this is what I heard then I in my from my dream, and I wrote it down. Not too long ago, but within your distant past, lived a hierarchy of angels known as the winged kitty cats. I went, holy cow, Jack, that's it. And I could feel this energy of Jack, like, yes. So I sat down with paper and pen and just, it flew out of me, just flowed. And I changed a few words and I had an editor look at it. And and I was like going, Jack, it's going to be a poem because I knew you would know what to do. (laughs) He's telling me this. And I was like, well, it's kind of risky writing a whole book as a po- as poetry. He goes, but I know you can do it. And when I did find my illustrator, my illustrator named Maz Farzan, who's a fantastic illustrator, said, this is one of a kind book. He goes, I do this all the time for books. He goes, this is very unique. I said, my cat wrote it. 
<laughs> so between Jack and I, his inspiration, <clears throat> the stories, the images he put in my head earlier, the bits and pieces he gave me, and then having the waking up from the dream and having that stanza, it just was a, it was a really a beautiful marriage of us working together, sentient beings coming together, and me channeling a forward uh, what Jack wanted me to say. So I can't take full credit for it. And that's why Jack's name is on the cover. You know, what's so interesting about this, Karen, is that, you know, in some respects, we've got a, a foot in two worlds, our very human world and our divine world. And in our human world, we're getting up, we're making breakfast, we're going to work, we're feeding our animals, cats or dogs or whatever animal we have, and <clears throat> living our normal lives. We have things happen to us. It doesn't really occur to me very much that these animals have things happening to them all day long too. The the delivery people that come to the door, um, playing around with their human mates, you know, doing all that stuff. And your cat was telling you originally how it was abused. So here's a cat that is remembering that. You don't think about animals having stories in them. You, you just think of them in the same kind of mechanical way. They need to be walked. They need to be fed. They need to have, you know, the litter box cleaned or the poop scooped. And, <laughs> and you don't think that they have like a whole life going on, but they do. Even though they they're do. living with us, they would be like children or parents or any kind of friends or relatives. They have a life. And it, it's funny when you talk about, you know, writing this book with Jack, it's like, gosh, Jack had a life too, and Jack had his own thoughts. I mean, is that strange to you when you're getting animal communications that animals have their own thoughts and their own stories about things? It's not strange. I think that's part of the reason why I was able to do it with him. And he came to me because I'm open to that. I'm very, very much open to other experiences from the other dimensions because I've always had um, interesting things I've seen or heard and experienced, especially as a child with a so-called imaginary playmate which wasn't imaginary and Daki came back and actually wrote a poem too in my one of my other books um with the book started out with a poem which is interesting but that was Daki and it's a very different type of writing um so no I was very open to it I think Jack saw that he did tell me too he said I he goes uh, you know just kind of as a tearjerker when I say it it's like he said you never saw me broken by abuse you saw me as your angel Mm. And I was like, yeah, you know what, Jack, mm. you are an angel. And I would always, she goes, you always told me that. So his story, of course, made sense. He was an angel cat. Um, what's, what's interesting about the story I wrote too, um, it's really, it's a book for um, the young at heart for all ages. It's not, it can work for children. I've had a lot of people read it to their children and buy it for their children. The children love it. The adults really, I think, relate to it even more so because they're like, it's like it brings up like I get emotional when I talk about it. It brings up the emotions of our feelings about our own animals and that we feel so strongly about them. And it talks about that that wonderful relationship that we have with our best friends, our best furry, scaly, um, fur uh feathery friends that we all have, you know, um, at some time or, or another. And people say, Well, I don't have a pet. And I go, Well, but you have these experiences with your friends, with people as well. So these these are these are experiences I talk about in this book that relate to people even with without pets, relates to people with other kinds of pets, or just friends, because it's about unconditional love is what the story really is about. Um, but so no, I love Jack so much. He was just so broken by abuse. I never had a cat like that. Um, would just shake in the corner when I first got him. And I remember just 
take, he taught me about patience. It, it really took 10 months before I could even touch him. And wow. I think that's, we had that really special bond, but I'll tell you a really funny story. I was doing a show. It was a live Ouija board channeling show where we used to do a lot of those people would call in and ask or reach in and ask their questions and we would answer it live and they'd film it. Um, and then one time this one gentleman called in and we had a moderator and he was taking the questions and he said, okay, here's this guy's question. He's going to write a book about this and he wants to know if that's a good idea. And we're doing, we're starting to get an answer and all of a sudden the Platchett changes and says, so should we tell him about the book I'm writing? And I went, what? <laughs> and Jack walked down the hallway. You see him in the video. You guys, I have a video on this, my YouTube channel. You can see it when you want to hear about this book. It's in there. He walks down the hallway. That comes out and the moderator goes, who's Jack? And my partner Rodney said, okay, you had him when you're doing your communication. Now you got to tell him a cat's writing a book. And, and they all, everybody starts laughing. I said, yes, Jack wants to be an author. And he, 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 he honed in on the gentleman who's asking this question about writing a book because, because Jack is too. And everybody's like, oh my God, when's Jack's book coming out? I go, that's up to Jack. <laughs> Karen, that's a great story. That is a great story. Well, it's, it's even funnier because it's on video when he walks through as that's yeah. happening. And he's only, I have, at that point, I had three cats. He's the only cat that walked through. He was paying attention. So yes, they have their own stories. They have their own life. Not all of them want to tell them. In fact, Jack used to tell me years ago, um, I had him for about 11 years before he transitioned. He would tell me in the beginning, he says, you know, leave that in the past, what happened to me. But when he wanted to write a book and said, I want to be an author, I see you writing, I want to understand what this is. I have a message. Then he got serious and he said, now I have, I'm going to tell you my story. See, he had to choose to do that. You know, people who have pets and love their pets, they know that they're in sync. Mm -hmm. They know that their pets can read their minds. We we have talked with um, a couple of uh, animal behavioralists that say, you know, I would never spray my cat with water. I just telepathically communicate, you know, with my animal that I you know, want them to do something other than what they're doing that, you know, doesn't work for me, you know, climbing around on the stove or whatever it might be. And and so, um, you know, it, it's interesting that to think about as a sentient being, that you can not only communicate with your animals, but that they have stories to tell. And, and when you put it the way you do, Karen, it makes them seem even more human or is it just even more sentient? I think it's having a consciousness and an awareness and a, a and find a way yeah. to put it into words. Yeah. Um, and, and I, and I do uh, what I do with my animals when they do things I don't like, especially this little kitty that um, was climbing up the screen and just ripped up one of my screens. I would, I would say, I would say no, but I take her and, and give her a visual image while I'm giving her a scratching pad to scratch on. I would do the same thing. I just kind of do that naturally. I think a lot of us do these things. We don't realize we can also sit in silence and, and receive. So not only did Jack teach me patience about unconditional love for him, because he was so, he was really, really broken. That's the word he used. I just knew he was abused. Um, but he, he had patience for me. Um, and then once he was able for me to touch him and pet him, he's like, now I can trust her to really de deep in, dive into what I have to tell her and channel it and express it. And I have to trust her to do that. So it was a it was a beautiful the, the backstory to it is uh, really beautiful. And we're mostly talking about the backstory here, you know, because I think that's it, it was fascinating to see that I had my 
a cat come to me in 96 and talk to me and teach me how to do with the board. But it was even more fascinating to have one come to me telepathically and say, now I want to write this and tell you about this. That was, that blew my mind. So we, when I worked with Jack, it was a combination of on and off the board with the story. And it included the dream, like I mentioned, it included telepathic re- receiving, it included me sitting there and, and opening myself to receive. Then it re- included the Ouija board. And then it came, he just jumped in when he wanted to, when I was on the board, like interrupting a show we were doing. So he trusted me. I trusted him. We had a great bond. And really, you don't have to have a Ouija board to do this, everybody. I want everybody to know that. I'm doing a lot of this work off the board, although I love the board because it's such a great way to demonstrate. It's um, it's a tangible way to see the messages come and to feel them. So I love that connection I have with this with this instrument. But you just can learn to start interacting with your animals on different level. As Suzanne just said, like the behavioralist talked about the mental images, but also sitting there receive its mental images, you know, and if you get quiet with your animal, they're on your lap or they're ne- next to you and they're just kind of rest- resting, you're petting them. You say, hey, I'm open to anything you want to tell me. And don't be surprised if you get some image. Maybe it's a dog bone or maybe it's, you know, something, yeah. some story that or some excitement the dog had outside with the, with the, with the water. I don't know. It could be a lot of different things. And you just got to trust it and go, no, I'm making that up. That's how it starts. And then once you get make click into the energy, it gets easier and easier where you start to more rely on what you're receiving. That's like with any type of channeling, really, not just the animals. Right. Well, I, now I have so many more questions. I think we'll go ahead and, and take our break a minute early because I, I now have a whole list of questions Great. about souls and spirits and afterlife and all kinds of stuff for animal communication. So we'll we'll stop here, we'll take our break, and then we'll we'll return and do that. We are talking with Karen Dahlman. Her latest book is called When Cats Had Wings, written by herself and her cat Jack fascinating story and we will be right back after these few minutes thank you for listening to Manson Mitchell on Alternative Talk AM 1150 Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash manceandmitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at 
terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Dr. Bernard Beitman, author of Meaningful Coincidences, to talk about how and why synchronicity happens. On Saturday, Matt Shea, a reporter on the street, tells us about spooky and fun places to go and things to do this Halloween season in and around the sound. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007, we are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Broaden your horizons. You'll be amazed at all the topics we cover on Alternative Talk, 1150. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour, Karen A. Dahlman. I always throw the A in there, Karen. I'm not sure why, but you Thank throw you. it in, so I do too. Karen Thank A. You. Dahlman. If people would like to find out about your book, When Cats Had Wings, or one of your other books, or connect with you, what is your website, social media links, and all that good stuff so our listeners can make a note of it? Great. Well, all my books are on Amazon.com. This When Cats Had Wings is special. I have a hard copy of it, too, which is super nice, and that's done through um, Ingram Spark. So they put it out to Barnes & Noble's all bookstores. Um, and there's a paperback copy, which is a little less expensive. And there's also on Kindle. All my books are on Kindle. They're all paperback. And I have two of my older books that are now audios. So that's something new I'm doing. I'm going to get my third book on audio as well. But you can find me at KarenADalman.com. The A is in there because there's another Karen Dahlman out there. She's a, psych- a psychiatrist and I'm a psychotherapist. So we're, we're very different. Um, mm-hmm. So Karen A. Dahlman. And I'm also on social media under the exact same moniker. Under the exact same moniker, fa- Facebook, Karen A. Dahlman. Everywhere. Instagram, Instagram. Twitter, YouTube. You yep. name it, she's on it. Make sure you give her her middle initial. And what does the A stand for? I have to know. Is it going to be Anne? Aphrodite. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I love to say that. Aphrodite. I can say some other things too, but I, it's Anne. Basically. Yes. I could have guessed it. I could have guessed it. (laughs) Okay. Now I said before the break, I had a lot of questions about um, animal souls and animal spirits. And based on what we were talking about in the first half, I have to ask you, do animals reincarnate in the same way that I believe humans do? Absolutely. I have a fantastic story. I'll just, the overview, because it's, it's in my book I'm working on now. There was an animal I spoke to who was alive, very much sick and dying. When it died, I spoke to it in the afterlife. And then when it came back, I spoke to it again. And it actually went back to the same family, had similar personalities um, that the other animal had. Wow. It, it has, yeah, it was. there was so many weird synchronicities to the whole thing, the story and how the cat came back. Um, and then the, the cat, by the way, you guys, when your animal does reincarnate, if it does reincarnate and come to you, really treat it as if it's a new energy because that has a new personality and they don't like it when you just try to pigeonhole them and put them into that box of who they used to be. Cause that cat that I was t- communicating with was very adamant about that. I am different. Yes, I'm the same, but I am different now when I'm here. Um, and just like us, cause we're kids, we come in little babies and we can't communicate when we reincarnate, we're aware that we were somewhere else before. <laughs> yes. And some kids have even dreams and memories of it and draw it, right? Yes. yes. Okay. And then as we get older, we start to forget. So the animals with this cat, for example, talking with this cat in the in-between lives, coming back to reincarnate, coming back to the same people. And then it's after I talked to her for several years, it started to forget. It says, well, that's sounding very vague to me. 
I'm kind of remembering it. So they forget just like humans. So it's a very similar things. So, you know, we all have souls. They have souls too. So that is fascinating that they would also forget past lives at some point. Oh, they're like us. They're just like us. Mm -hmm. Wow. What, what have you been able to figure out, if anything, from the animals about what the afterlife is like for them? Mm. You know, that's one of my favorite topics to ask about with the animals from their perspective. Um, everybody talks about it's the rainbow bridge that the animals cross and they have that wonderful poem, that story about when they cross over. And there's an element of when they do transition, just like humans is what I've learned is that they, they're kind of in a space of what just happened. Okay. Now I'm getting used to being here. I'm not quite sure. It's like a recovery stage. Uh, it's not even about if you were sick or not. Um, but, but my, when my cat's transition they were sick obviously and there was some communication about that but i can tell you when jack transitioned panzer his half brother had was already there a year earlier and greeted him because they told me about it later i asked them both and he said yeah jack's not ready to communicate right now he's still getting used to being here so there's a transitional phase of like now you're not a personality in this body now you're this energetic spirit it's different and so they talk about seeing other animals they talk about reuniting with other animals um, they, they talk about their, who they are. So wow. I, so Panzer said to me, he goes, you know, I'm going to tell you now, and this has been after Panzer, his Jack's half brother was already deceased. And after Jack died a year later, he said, I want you to know that you always thought Jack was weak or uh, felt sorry for him. He says, the reality is he is such a, a strong soul. We herald him over here on this dimension. We see him as such a strong being because you that it took that kind of strength to come into a life and live that life that you witnessed that you got him from or, or when, you got, when you took him from that house. He said that that took a strong cat to do that, a strong animal. He said, so we see him as a very, very powerful being. And Jack knew that when he was there, but that was not his role to tell you that. We've had um, mediums tell people that their animals are around them. Your dog is around you. Your cat is around you. Your python, you know, whatever, <laughs> my, whatever they, your fish, <laughs> your fish are around Puppy. you. Uh, do you have a sense in the afterlife of an animal if in their frequency they're also interacting with their humans mm -hmm. in the you know, afterlife? Absolutely. So so when Panzer transitioned and that was in 2018, um, he's a black cat. He used to come on all my shows. He was such a ham. Everybody thought he was funny. He looked like a bat. He was super cute. Um, and he, when he transitioned, I said, you know what? I go, I just need to see you again. I just need to hold you. He came to me in a dream, came to me twice in a dream. And here, here's an interesting story. So one of my girlfriends sent me these little black cat earrings. She's like, oh, I was thinking of you and Panzer. And here's your little black cat earrings. And I was wearing them. And I forgot I had them on. I went to bed. And then I had this dream. And Panzer was like a giant, big black cat split into two big cats. And he said to me, now I'm two. You've got two of me now. I woke up and I go, what does he mean by that? And I go, oh, the two black cat earrings that represent him. My friend gave me because of him. So there was this interaction there. He's recognizing the fact that I had these earrings on and he's two, there's two of him now. And I feel like you can tell when a dream is so lucid, you know, they're there and he jumped mm -hmm. up on my lap. So it was, it, it, yes, it get, dreams can be metaphors of our life and working the issues out. And I, I don't care where it came from. It's the fact that it was healing for me. But I feel like in that dream, and I've had dreams of Jack coming back as well several times, that it's um, 
it's so lucid they're there. Now yeah. I have experience where I've out of the corner of my eye, I've seen Panzer run through. It, and when I got um, the new baby kitty, I had that experience of the of the other cats coming through. But they haven't. Tr- People ask me, have you has your cat come back and re- any of them come back and re- reincarnated? and come back to you. And I, my experience has been, no, none of my cats have, but this is what I've learned about the animals and their relationship with this when they're alive. And when they transition, they are our master teachers. They are here to teach us unconditional love. They are here to help us learn our lessons and they make us look at ourselves and they love us no matter what most animals do is, I mean, you know, I'm not talking about the wild cheetah is going to eat you (laughs) or even a dog that bites somebody because it's fearful but for the most part, these animals are here to help us and to teach us. And they do that when they're alive and they still do it from the afterlife. I have a lot of people reach out to me and talk to me about their animals who've transitioned, how much they miss them and they can't get over the grief. And what I always say is I say, you know, the depth of your grief that you're experiencing right now with your pet that's just left is the, is the amount of, flip it on the other side, is the great reaches and breadth of your love for your animal. So you should expect that. When Panzer transitioned, he came to me um, on the board and he said, I want to do a video. And I was like, I don't want to do one. And I remember I went to Costco and I did ran these errands. He goes, I kept hearing, I need to do this video. I need to do this video. I go, oh my God, he wants to do this video. What are we going to do? So I get back and I sit down I, and I just wrote out. I just wrote what I was feeling. And then I had some sessions with Panzer before. And so I put some ideas together, what he told me. And it was all about the afterlife when they transition, the idea of the grief process and how their master teachers and all of them are. I mean, it just went on. And and the video, people will still watch it to this day. You guys can see it on my YouTube channel. It's called um, What Happens When Your Animals Transition or When Your Animals Die or something like that. And Panzer's Panzer's in it. You'll, You'll see it. And it's really... It's really a touching and it helps a lot of people. They tell me when they have just lost their pet. So I, I find it interesting. So I've, I'm on my, I have, uh, I'm on my six, I have six cats now. I mean, I'm on my sixth cat, five, five and six are still alive. And the other four transitioned over the years, the last 30 years. Um, the the first two are, weren't so prominent in my life. Um they did talk on the board, but they weren't as prominent once Jack and Panzer came in because they were a whole different energy. And I think those two really were teaching me some lessons that were even bigger than the first two. It's just fascinating. I can look back at, at my life and I, and I invite all of you to do so too. Look back into your life when you had a certain pet and think about what it was you were going through or experiencing and how that pet was a part of it or helped you. And then you'll start seeing the connections. And you'll see that the unconditional love and how it came out. And you'll understand why you're so sad and grieving for, it could be a year sometimes, just like people when they leave us and transition. Well, as people, uh, we would grieve not only our deceased family members, but we also grieve the animals that, that we have lost. Do the animals grieve when when they pass? Do you have a sense about when the animals go into the spirit world, it, it, in addition to this um, kind of recovery period, like what mm-hmm. just happened to me, I'm not in the same dimension I was. Do they like miss us and grieve for us on this side? They, they miss us, but there's, there's, there, gosh, it's, it's all the animals I've spoken to over the years. What I've learned is there's like a whole different way of seeing it, of, of couching it, if you will. It's not like, Oh my God, they're gone. We always think, oh, they're gone forever. They're, we, we, we're so, they're, they're so close to life and death. 
it's like they just live instinctually. So they get a sense of I'm here, but I'm not always going to be here. And when the time happens, like, okay, I left. Yes, I miss my 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 human companion because they were with me and they and I could see how sad they are. They feel that. And Jack would come back and say, you know, there's no reason to be so sad. I'm here. You know, you know how this works. You and your friends talk about guides. You guys talk about this all the time. But he said, you know, I understand that you're sad. He goes, I'm I'm not. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing next. And um they they, they even have a sense of humor about it. Panzer one time told me, he says, I said, Well, Panzer, are you are you gonna reincarnate and come back to me? He goes, no, I think I'm done with you, but I may come back as a smelly dog. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And so um, I've heard that um, the, the soul of the cat stays cat. Um, I've heard other people say theories about it changing. Um, they can be other animals. I'm not opposed to that. I just don't have the answer to that. If they can switch to other animals. Some people say I've, I've talked to some people because of all the past life work I've done over the years. And I do that with clients years ago, people would say, well, um, I remember being a Buffalo or something like that. I'm like, okay, that's cool. I I don't know. Um, We we have our soul group. Our soul um, is, it's all a spark of God. We're all a spark of the divine. So it's not like we're so separated out. It's just that we tend to group in soul groups, family groups, um, over souls, the umbrella, and we tend to go with our type that we can get our most experiences and lessons. So maybe if you have to be a good lesson as a cat, that's cool. Then do that. You know, there's some hard lessons there, but I, I think most of us are reincarnating as humans or humanoid form. Let's put it that way. Maybe even on other planets. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Well, that's kind of interesting to think about, you know, changing forms that dramatically. I agree. And and I and I think that is true in some cultures mm-hmm. that they will go from, you know, insects and bugs to animals to humans and back and forth, uh, depending on the kind of lives that they're leading. You know, um, one of the things that I, I've heard people say is that, um, you know, people love their animals and their animals love them, unless we're talking about, you know, the bad, evil, abusive. Mm -hmm. But um, I've always questioned the idea that you can be closer to an animal than you can be to a human. And when you were talking earlier about animals teaching us the thing that they are primarily teaching us is that unconditional love. And I think sometimes that connection of unconditional love is made easier with an animal than it is with another human being, because we've got so much baggage that, that we bring into this lifetime. It's kind of hard to connect, but Mm -hmm. with the animals, it's like there's there's somehow a lot less of that baggage and they're just here to love and be loved. Does it kind of seem that way? I know you had to work with Jack who had some abuse, but you know, does it seem like for the most part that teaching really just is all about the love? It is. And, and anyone, Jack and all of his abuse, and it was the patience he taught me to love from afar to love him unconditionally, although he was, as he said, broken. And that Mm -hmm. was a huge lesson. I didn't have to do that. I don't have children. I haven't ever had to do that, but Jack came into my life to do that. 
Um, mm. And I think each animal has a different lesson for us to learn. And, and of course, they're learning from it too. Jack had the experience of, of the contrast, what a terrible house could be in a home. And then what a, a nice cat home, I call it, it's a cat house, <laughs> what, right. what a cat home can be, you know, yeah. where he's going to be just honored and given his space and have a great time. So he got to see the contrast. So he was learning too. He was learning to, we're all evolving. Our soul is always evolving. We're always, we're trying, this is what, this is what I believe. We are an expression and experience the spark of divine. We are the divine. We are that. We are God. We are source. We're the divine in a form. And source is trying to experience itself in all the forms it can. We have got this amnesia on purpose to forget, as we talked about the past lives and getting further away and forgetting, so we can get caught up in our existence. Whatever our existence is, if it's the being the animal, the wild animal who gets shot, or the pet at home that gets uh, just loved, it's like we get caught up. We're supposed to get caught up in our experiences. We're here, as my guides tell me all the time. They said, "Don't." They say they don't say it isn't. They never say don't. They'll say um, it's exciting to learn about the other dimensions, but don't forget you're here. Or yes. they say, remember, you're here to be yeah. a human. That is so important, more than you can even imagine. So yeah. we're here really to forget so we can have our experiences. And same with the animals. And it's a, it's always a process of evolution and, and learning. So as Jack learned, I learned, it was back and forth. I may not even know everything Jack learned. But, he did, but like I said, he said earlier, you saw me as broken. And yet... Yet he goes, you know, he goes, I was broken by abuse. That's what he said. I never said that. He said that. He goes, but you saw me as an angel. So that that was that was his love to receive back. But you're right. It's so much easier for us to make connections to an animal because they're not going to necessarily talk back. Well, some dogs and cats will, <laughs> but they're not going to say, oh, you look horrible today or you're stupid or, you know, the things, the negative things we hear from the people or get in a fight. They're yeah. most likely going to sit there and want us be in our lap. They're going to want our attention. They're, we feed them. And then we they, we got this relationship of taking care of them. Mm-hmm. And that brings out another side of humanity to take care of something also that yes. a lot of people don't even think they can talk to their animals, but yet, you know, you're feeling it. Oh, it's time to feed him. He needs the food or she needs the food or whatever it is. So it, it gives you this relationship you can have without all the consternation that comes with, or the dynamics that come with human nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, Karen, let me ask you a question. I, I don't think we've asked you before. Do you have a totem animal? I have several. You do have several. Okay, this is fun. Do, do you choose them or do they choose you? They chose me, but this is interesting. And, and I was, because I know I had an affinity towards certain animals and I was very much into the Native American spirituality. I used to do, I was an art therapist for years and I worked on a, a Native American reservation. It was, um, Acoma Indian Reservation outside of Albuquerque. Oh. And I would go there a couple times a week and I'd work with some of the kids there with art and all this. I got really into their spirituality. To work with them, I had to really understand more about their mythology, their cultural stories. So I was learning and learning and learning and all this stuff. And uh, during that period, I kept seeing great, great horn owls. It didn't matter where I was. The buffalo was always an animal I liked. Uh, praying mantis was a was a insect like it was like all these things and i was like all of a sudden what evolved from that was i call it the council of karen with two k's council of karen and on that board in my in my spiritual realm inside my i'll call it my mind's eye third eye 
Um, I will go to the Council of Karen where I have some animals and I have my guides there and I have Mary Angel and sometimes the cats come in. It just depends who I'm connected with and they will be at the Council of Karen. And that's my way to check in and say, you know, I, I've got this thing I'm working on. Can you help me? Blah, blah, blah. Or do you have advice? And so it's, it is for me, but it's also for them. They may have questions that they want me to talk to them about. So it's, I, it's called the Council of Karen. It's a big round table and the animals show up there. How about you, Suzanne? And somehow they chose you. They chose they, me. They chose you. You don't, can you choose a totem animal? Can oh, you just, sure. Yeah. You just, and and how you would do that is really just by what it is that you are attracted to. Yes. And then in that sense, they're choosing you. So okay. I remember when I was very young, my mom's father up in Minnesota had this park. He created a park for the community, put all of his hard work into it. He had um, some deer there that would walk around. He had buffalo. He had trout in the, in the, in the lake. It's beautiful. It's called Sunnybrook Park. Um, but anyway, I remember going up there and seeing these magnificent buffalo bison. I've never seen them before in my life. I was probably five or six. And I remember seeing them. And I went, whoa, I love this animal. So it's that kind of thing. I felt the affinity towards it. It came to me. It was at the fence. And I'm like, I like this animal. And I never could put that on my mind, it became one of my totem animals. Mm, so I the other thing that. people can do, I actually have Native American cards. I have three mm -hmm. decks and you can pick your totem animals that way. You can pull them out for the day. This animal's going to be my helper. Or here's a good one. I love this one. What do you see a lot of? What crosses your path? Mine's still the great horned owl. There's one that sits out back in a tree behind my, right by my bedroom. He, I see him every now and then. I hear him at night um, and he flies around, but he comes back to my tree and I've, I've seen him just point blank in the day. So they'll present themselves. They may drop their feathers. I get a lot of owl feathers. It's just, they'll come to you or there's just one people like you, you find a, an animal that's wounded and you help it, you rescue it. I had a pelican once I helped rescue down at the beach in San Clemente where I used to live. So it's things like that. They come, they show up in your life and it, that pelican was part of his beak was ripped off. It was horrible because of a fishing mm -hmm. accident. And I helped get him to the right place. People came down and kids were sitting around. I made sure they didn't bother the animal. And it was just, he, that animal came and I was the one that was there to assist. You know, th this is what they do. So when they show up, then maybe they're not necessarily going to be on the council of Karen or they're going to be one of my totem animals. But for that day, that was my totem animal as I was this totem person. Interesting. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I, I'm attracted to small birds, small songbirds. Oh. I've always liked, you know, little sparrows. I grew up with a lot of robins and blue jays where I lived. And down here in Florida, there's some gray and white birds I haven't quite identified. But every time I go outside, these birds are around and I, I give them one particular whistle. And so if they're paying attention, then they know when they hear that whistle that it's me. And oh, I and, love it. And and these and when I go swimming out at the pool, the birds are like around the pool, they're flying around, they're sitting, they're watching me. And I just I really like small birds. When we're kind of cooped up here in the heat and the air conditioning, I can hardly wait for fall to open up the windows and hear the birds early in the morning. And uh I like that a lot. Also bison. When, oh, Buffalo when, too. <laughs> when we were traveling and we went to um, Yellowstone, we we saw 
sheep, we saw wolves, we saw bears, we saw all kinds of animals. And we had a bison crossing right in front of our car where we were the first car stopped with a line of cars behind us. So we were able to take some really great close up. Uh, bison photos and I don't mean getting in their face because it's not recommended no, that's so wrong. But I mean I mean expanding the lens and, mm-hmm. and taking zooming in and so we were able to take some great bison photos and like you you know I said I really like this animal I really like it so there's there's at least a couple small songbirds and bison I'm going to be thinking about that a little bit more because it it would be uh, I'd like to know what I could learn from them. And that's that's the next step. So when you have these animals you have an affinity towards or yeah. you have an experience, even like a skunk walks across my path. Oh, I saved a skunk one time. He got his foot in a sticky tra- trap. I heard it like at four in the morning, got the animal people out there. And he goes, if you didn't get this animal, somebody else would have come by and ate it like a coyote or something. Ooh. So I helped that. And I said, what does a skunk mean to me? And then I started reading about it, researching it, went to my cards, my Native American to card deck, read all about it. And then I said, what does it mean to me? And so that's your lesson for the day. It may just be the animal. You could do it with people too. <laughs> What's the message I got from that person today? And you can look at it. This is how you start to read your environment. This is how you develop your sensitivities to your environment. This is how you develop your clear senses because there's always a greater message, so much more to receive in the experience. And that's why I love working with the animals is because they teach you that. They show you that. Yes. Yeah, there are messages. I, I did a uh, a workshop one weekend where we were invited to go into a particular animal and experience what they experienced. And one of them was a whale. And I can Ooh. remember going inside a whale and swimming very deeply in the ocean and how that felt because, you know, the whale is so huge but it so easily was gliding through the ocean, mm-hmm. so lightweight. And, and I can remember how much fun that was. And, and so I, I like the idea of taking the, the animals, the sentient beings and, you know, experiencing what they experience, communicating with them and, and learning, you know, what it is we can learn. So, what you just mentioned is another technique to use. It's fantastic what you said about going into the body of the whale and being as if you are the whale. That really does help you learn to connect with your animal. So let's say you have your dog at home, go into the body of your dog, go into his awareness, ask permission, and you're mm-hmm. going to find you can slip into it and then see what it's like in a life of your pet. And that's yeah. a way to connect too. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's absolutely great. Karen A. Dahlman, her book recently published in 2023 is When Cats Had Wings, a story that she documents and directed by her her cat, Jack. So with great illustrations. So I want to make sure we get that out there once again, When Cat Had Wings, Karen A. Dahlman. And you can find Karen A. Dahlman on all kinds of social media sites Thank you so much for our girl chat today about animals. I just really am glad that you were here today. And you're Thank you for having me. It, yeah. it was a lovely chat. I enjoyed talking to you. I miss Gary, but, I, but you were great. Thank you, Suzanne. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for being with us. And please join us again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific. We'll do this all over again next week. In the meantime, have a great weekend. 
Here's what's coming up next week on Manson Mitchell. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Dr. Bernard Beitman, author of Meaningful Coincidences, to talk about how and why synchronicity happens. On Saturday, Matt Shea, a reporter on the street, tells us about spooky and fun places to go and things to do this Halloween season in and around the Sound. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007, we are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150.